welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here as we continue Timeline Week here on the show to uh, talk about teams that are stuck in the middle from uh, the covering the New Orleans Saints from NewOrleans.Football, the greatest internet website name that exists, is uh, my buddy Nick Underhill. What is up, Nick? How are you? Doing all right, man. Thanks for having me. You are the purple insider of New Orleans, basically, and uh, except for more successful. And uh, you are also on very opposite sides of the debates over whether the cap <laughs> exists. So I see us on Twitter where I'm going like, oh, yeah, Cap's a myth, folks. And you're being like, stop worrying about the cap, folks. Yeah, see, I, I, I don't know that it's a myth, but I would say my one <laughs> argument against your argument is that I think some people look at it too rigidly and i'm not saying that's right or wrong i'm just saying that like when people are like well he like teron armstead has a dead money hit of 13 million okay but like the saints look at it as an overall piece you know one thing and it's not necessarily so segmented out so okay there's 13 million debt but they'll just push another 13 million forward and if you push the same 13 million forward every single year into perpetuity you could do that until football ends or there is a pandemic and you really never actually have to pay the bill for that 13 million if you're committed to keep doing that. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I think where, where I get in trouble is that, you know, I kind of fight against it hard enough to where people think I'm like in support. Like, I don't think their way of managing the cap is the best way, but it is something they can keep doing. But I, I actually think we're seeing evidence of them taking their foot off the gas now and being like, okay, it's post breeze. This probably isn't a Super Bowl caliber team. It's maybe a playoff caliber team. It doesn't make sense to maybe maybe push all your chips in. And I, I think they're they're taking on some of that and trying to clean up the cap a little bit. And I think Sean Payton was maybe um, one of the driving factors for how aggressive they were with with their cap management. I'm going to tell you the truth. I hope it never changes. I, I hope that we always have this because it cre it honestly creates two things. I mean, one is a lot of discussions that we just would not have had before. And shout out to the folks at overthecap.com for providing us with all that information. Yeah. Um, so fans know everybody's dead cap hit and things like that. But it adds so many layers to the puzzle of discussion about how they're building a team and what they could possibly do. And I think that there's a difference between saying that like the cap is a myth and saying, here's what you have to do with the cap. There yeah. is a price to pay. And do you want to pay that price? So for the Vikings right now, if you're looking at them and saying, well, you're not really a contender for a Super Bowl, then you're saying, well, why are you paying the price, though, to extend or restructure a player and kick money down the road when Drew Brees is there? You do whatever the heck it takes to keep every good football player you possibly can because Drew Brees. <laughs> like, that's right. why you always have a chance to win the Super Bowl if you don't. And I think that's the point you're making is then you then you can't just push all the chips to the middle of the table yeah. and alter the cap like crazy. It really has to depend on where you stand. In the, and that's why we're here talking, Nick, is where you stand in your team's timeline for how you handle all that cap stuff. So to, to your last point, though, even even they still can do it. Though. Like they just created 30 some million in, in space because they thought they were getting Deshaun Watson and they would have been able to do everything and keep it going. And it, it is just, uh, you know, I think I think where. And I, I, I saw people in New Orleans battling you, and I, I just kind of sat back and just, you know, I could have I could have maybe cut off some of that and, and tried to help them understand. But I, I saw I saw you fight, and I let you fight that fight. Um, but I think I think where where they get fired up is every year there's like somebody, and it's legitimate media. It's not like you know, it's not like people that don't cover the NFL. 
And there's always somebody or multiple somebodies that are like, oh, well, they're going to have to trade Alvin Kamara and cut Mike Thomas and get rid of Ryan Ramchak. And it's like, they don't have to do any of those things. Those are all choices that they can make. And they never get rid of any of those guys. And, you know, last year they cleared a hundred million pandemic hit. That's an unexpected event. That's the other thing people always point to. They're like, aha, I told you. And it's like, well, okay, it took, you know, you've been saying the same thing for seven years and it took it's a, a, a disease that nobody had ever, you know, that literally didn't exist to, to stop their cap management and kind of make them get to a point where they had to pay the price for it. So I think those are the two things that get overlooked, but I think ultimately we're all saying the same thing. It's just some people are, you know, is it worth it or is it not worth it? For me, I just, I just tell people how it can be done and I give them the information and let them, and let them go fight you with that information. And, and, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's always better to have, you know, we, we would all rather have a balanced checkbook you know, in our daily lives. And I think for football teams, it's the same way. But sometimes if you have a chance to go for it and and you see that Super Bowl window, you know, it's it's who cares, spend everything, figure it out later. Which I would, you know, defend the way the Vikings handled this for years when they had an actual chance to win. 2018, 2019. I mean, those are years you go into thinking we really should be competing to win the NFC and be in the Super Bowl. And it didn't happen, but you'll pay that bill later because you had a chance to get there. Once they got to 2020, you should not be trading for Yannick Ngakwe cutting Riley Reef, forcing him to come back on a pay cut that's uh, going to have dead cap down the road. Like th- these things don't make any sense when you don't have a chance to win. And the thing with the people in New Orleans who started going after me on Twitter, it was like, <laughs> where did you people come from? Did I just write salary cap in the New Orleans people? Okay. Like I wasn't even talking to you. So I was being very flippant toward the New Orleans people. Cause I don't have any reason to care about them. Sure. Uh, those are your subscribers. You could, I got my own problems, but it was like, uh, New Orleans people, I'm not talking to you. Okay. I haven't looked at your salary cap, but you know, I, I mean, the thing that I kept throwing back was like, where's your left tackle? Is he gone? Can you not afford him? I mean, eventually look, when you have to, when you're still paying Drew Brees, 11 million dead cap, there's no doing nothing with that. And that's the thing that the Vikings are dealing with too. They're paying Anthony Barr to play for them this year. He doesn't play for them anymore. That's a choice you made that is hurting you, is actively hurting you, that you want to avoid if you're trying to do competitive rebuild, which I think both of our teams are doing competitive rebuild. Yeah. So the, the thing with Armstead, though, that, that definitely wasn't a cap decision. And I think he got paid lower than a lot of people thought. I mean, it's $15 million. They do have the cap space to pay him. That, that was more of a, like, where is he at in his career and is the risk worth it? And they let him go probably a year or two early instead of a year or two late, which I think is a responsible decision. And my thing that the people that, that criticize their cap management, I would say like not overpaying that guy or getting stuck in a bad contract. That's doing what you want them to do. I don't think that's the thing to throw in their face and be like, ah, here's evidence. Like either, either they're being responsible or they aren't. And then if you're criticizing them for being irresponsible, you can't criticize them for being responsible. So, I mean, there's both sides to it. Um, Marcus Williams might've been a little bit of a cap decision. I just don't think that they valued him at that level period. I mean, they gave him, the franchise tag. And I think, you know, they could have tagged them again and brought them back and it would have been under market value. I just don't think that they necessarily um, felt that he was the guy that, that was worth the the cost. And again, they have the cap space, but they, they just didn't spend it. They moved to Marcus May. They got to get another safety now that uh, Malcolm Jenkins retired. So their back end, I mean, that's, that's a huge hit. Like if we're talking about being stuck in the middle, that's the thing I'm, I'm probably most concerned about for this team is that the defense was supposed to be the strength overall and now you're taking out two guys from the safety spot on a defense that is built on disguise and deception and 
you don't have that organization and that that um knowledge of, of the scheme from day one i mean i think it's going to be rocky to start the season marcus may is going to be suspended probably for three games for for uh, dwi so you're going to start like a process start to get comfortable bringing a new guy and now you're you're starting over again in, in week four i mean it's just uh that's not where you want to be. It's supposed to be a defensive team. Head coach is, is a defensive coach. That's supposed to be the identity. And I think all of a sudden, like now, that's a, a very shaky part of that team. So the, on the Tron Armstead thing, I actually think it's smart. Like It's smart not I to agree. overpay a veteran player. This has been a criticism of mine for the Vikings. I mean, even Anthony Barr is a good example. Where it's like, did anybody think Anthony Barr was getting them to a Super Bowl last year <laughs> that was going to be the difference? And yet you hurt yourself long-term to make sure to keep him so you could try to make the playoffs, so you could try to avoid getting fired, but you got fired anyway. Yeah. And it's not like none of it really made sense. And for someone with his injury history, if you were lining up to pay him $20 million a year, uh, you know, and, and the hometown discount thing is not really real. A lot of times players actually ask for more from their own teams. And mm. then when they find out they're not going to get it, they'll go for less somewhere else. Uh, but I think that that's something that the Vikings have not been smart about is knowing when the writing is on the wall. Like I saw someone tweet out, I think it was from PFF about uh, the yards per route run for Adam Thielen and how they've just gone down and down and down in recent years. And yet he's on schedule to make 20 million on the cap next year and yeah they can do stuff with the money but that's not a position you wanted to put yourself in also what new orleans has now you mentioned your cap space is a quarterback who's cheap and that is another thing that i thought maybe the vikings would go for is to try to bring in a mariota or a Jameis winston and move on from cousins to start getting their cap right I mean, I think that that's like one antidote to all of this is if you're not paying that guy $30 million or now it's being bumped up to 40, $45 million, then it just gives you a lot more flexibility to be able to do the things you're talking about. Yeah. For where the Saints are at, I think it makes a lot of sense to to kind of go cheaper quarterback. Granted, they, they tried to go for the guy that just got a quarter billion dollars guaranteed and we're going to flip it on his head and probably overpay Armstead and you know everybody else at, at that point to kind of keep it going. And that would have made sense, but yeah, if they're, they're, I feel like they're trying to to just looking at their moves and their passiveness in free agency and not addressing wide receiver and not addressing left tackle and not making a move, you know, a second move at safety and, and probably looking to the draft or for internal options for for all those things. It looks to me like they're trying to manage kind of a rebuild while staying competitive, and we're going to see if that actually works. Their roster is good enough that they'll probably win nine, ten games maybe eight, they'll be like right in that range. Like, you know, as the title stuck in the middle and, and that variance, it doesn't take much. It's just a couple plays, a couple lucky breaks and, you know, seven wins becomes 10, but they will be somewhere in that range. And we'll see, we'll see how it works. But I mean, it's kind of tough to burn at both ends of the candle and have things work out the way you want them to. Either you're going for it or you aren't. And it, I think it's a, it's a balancing act that's going to be difficult for them. And I don't know if it's ultimately going to be leading to the reward that they want but on the other side of that you keep the team together you have a, a quarterback who doesn't cost a lot and then maybe you have an opportunity to to acquire somebody there's a lot of quarterback movement and they are a quarterback away i think from being right in that contender status a quarterback and a, and a wide receiver too um maybe a left tackle but i mean those aren't if you get the quarterback everything else is, is easier they have a top five defense they got michael thomas who presumably will still be a good player after basically missing two years Alvin's getting a little bit older but like 
I don't know. I, I, I see logic in keeping it together, but I also would see logic in them just saying, tear it down, start over and, and kind of go for it. And usually those type of rebuilds, they work out. I mean, but on the other hand, if you get rid of Ryan Ramchak and you get rid of, you know, Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara and Marshawn Lattimore, like who are you replacing them with? And it's, it's a hard philosophy, but I think it's really hard to walk down the middle of that line too. So to your point, getting rid of cousins, starting over all that stuff, like, there is a lot of logic in that. And if, if you aren't going to be a Super Bowl contender, like what's the point of fighting so hard to keep everything together? This is why you're here for timeline week, Nick. <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> why, because of how complicated that question is. And the, I, what it really comes down to is two things. How much value do you put in a playoff appearance when there's no way you're going from the six or seven seed, which is where both the Vikings and the saints are projected to go. Do you put value in that? Personally, uh, I don't get the money that would come. Well, actually, I mean, it's not even a home game, so they don't get money from it anyway. But, uh, you know, so I don't think there's much benefit there. I don't think they fit like Philly last year. I mean, hang a banner. You got in, you got killed, you went home. Great season, I guess. So I don't know. Like you overachieved expectations for them, but that's not the case for the Saints or the Vikings. So that doesn't mean anything to me if you get the seven seed and get blasted and go home. Um, and then there's the other part of, can you actually walk this line? And one of the biggest issues is with a Ryan Ramchek or an Elvin Kamara or an Adam Thielen or a Harrison Smith, while they are still good right now, you're really, if you're talking about competitive rebuild, you're hoping to be really, really good in a couple of years. Are they going to be really, really good in a couple of years? Kamara and Delvin Cook are from the same draft class. Mm. Uh, running backs, folks, you're old by 27, 28. So these guys probably, and, and Kamara is going to age better than Cook, but like they've both been banged up at times. I mean, there's just, it, it's really hard to match up these players who are keeping you competitive now with when you actually need them to be great a couple of years from now when your roster is strong enough to really compete. Here's, here's my two arguments for the Saints keeping it together. One, the NFC sucks, and if you get into the playoffs, <laughs> like you just never know. Like you could just get on a run, and and you just never know. I mean, there, there's there's really not like a juggernaut team outside of the Rams, and and you know, weird things can happen in one game. Number two, if Sean Payton goes and signs with Dallas next year, like the Saints are probably going to get a pick or two back, and now all of a sudden you might have the ammunition to go get your good rookie quarterback and have a team that that's kind of built to win. You plug him in, and and maybe maybe you get lucky and you, and you get some, you know, lightning there and, and off you go. So there's a couple of reasons for it. Um, it's just tough to, to kind of bag a team that's close, you know, if they feel like they're close and it's just like, maybe if this happens, maybe if that happens and, and it's hard to give up on those maybes and it's just, uh, man, it's difficult. It, it, it's a hard, if you told me to pick one path or the other, it's, you know, it's kind of, and I look at it through the terms of like, are you going to win the Super Bowl or not? And, you know, odds are you don't have the, 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 top 10 quarterback in place it's probably not going to happen but then again you know maybe maybe Jameis all of a sudden surprises you the NFC sucks you get into the playoffs and off you go uh I'd probably bet on that not happening but you never know folks Minnesota sports teams are competing for the playoffs and it's time to load up on your Minnesota sports inspired gear from soda stick use the promo code purple insider for 15% off your wildflower Mark Andre flurry design or if you're excited for baseball get your fast as buck Byron Buxton shirt or hoodie go to sodastick.com use the promo code purple insider for 15% off
Yeah, we play a game on the show. Is this gaslighting or not? Which would be if you were, if I would, if someone was saying to you, like, well, hey, look, Jameis can, you know, throw for 40 touchdowns and be the superstar they always wanted him to be. And this will go right and the NFC will fall apart and Tom Brady will get old and all those things. Yeah. Like, eh, you're getting toward gaslighting to tell me that all those things are going to yeah. go right at well, once. Well, the one thing the Saints got going for him is that they are pretty good against Tom Brady. So that's the one <laughs> yeah, thing they, they are, actually yeah. do have going for him. Stunningly good against Tom Brady. Yeah. But at the same time, like last year, you're talking yourselves into these same things and Jameis comes out, plays okay, uh, and then gets hurt. And all yeah. of a sudden it just falls apart and you're playing Ian book uh, in an actual football game. And there was the COVID issue and everything else. Uh, and so, but the, I think a little bit of the difference here, and you could tell me, cause you know, this team better than I do with the saints, but the Vikings, what I think makes this complicated is Justin Jefferson. He is so young and he is so good that it's really hard to tell Justin Jefferson Hey, why don't you just like hang around, break some records, be amazing for a while. We're not going to win anything, but you just do you. That's hard to do. I think with the Saints, you have more veteran players that have been around longer. Uh, not that they're more willing to take a step back, but that when you move on from them, you it's not like you could trade Justin Jefferson. It's not right. like you could just be like, uh, okay, well, give us two firsts or something. Like That would be insane. So I think that that's what makes it a little more complicated. But from from your point of view, the NFC South, I mean, are we yeah. impressed? <laughs> like, I mean, Carolina, my gosh, what are you doing? Who's even playing quarterback for you? Uh, their GM is saying, says Sam Darnold, maybe, I don't know, anybody, PJ Walker? I, yeah. that, like, so the division element of it, I think for both of these teams kind of plays in because the Bears and the Lions aren't that good either. Yeah, Atlanta's absolutely awful too. So I would, I would say the argument for the Saints is that they have like a legitimately great defense and they were playing. I mean, they went five and two with Jameis as, as the starter last year, and Jameis's numbers make it look like he was playing at a certain level. But like the tape does not look like the touchdown to interception ratio. It was extremely conservative. Like th there, there might not have been a lot of picks, but there were a lot of throws that just weren't attempted. And he needs to become way more comfortable. He needs to have better players around him. I mean, it to to his defense. I mean, you're throwing to Kevin White and Kenny Stills and. You know, Mike Thomas isn't playing and Marquez Callaway is your number one receiver. I mean, so I, I understand some some timidness in that. So getting some good players around him, seeing if he can still be effective in um I don't want, you know, I don't think he needs to be totally interception averse, but like keep it under 16. You know, let's see if he can do that. If he can do that and the defense plays the way it does, I mean they they do have a legitimate shot of beating anybody any week. And that defense, like I said, two years in a row, like it's not a fluke, it's not Oh, they played this this schedule, so the schedule like they were legitimately great. If they can replace those safeties, you're back in business, and and I think there is a chance to beat anybody. So that that's their reason for holding on, and the reasons against for the, all the ones you said: aging roster, Demario Davis is getting old, Cam Jordan's getting old. Uh, you know, by the time if you draft a rookie quarterback, you know, in two three years when when he's kind of hitting his his stride, like where's everybody else going to be at within that process? So that would be the argument against and you know it's uh stuck in the middle man 
Yeah, with um, Jameis Winston, the one thing that he gives you that's an edge over Kirk Cousins is that, at least you could tell me if his contract is different than this, but it's that you can move on anytime. Uh, yeah. A lot of the things that you just described, I've always thought of trying to get the sliders right. You ever play a video game where uh, the the difficulty when it's on easy, you're just crushing it, but then you turn up to hard and you lose every game? Like, can you figure out something and can't get the slider right? That's Cousins and Winston. If you tell him to be aggressive, Winston throws 30 picks. You tell him to be conservative, he won't make the throws. It's like with Cousins. If you throw 700 times, he's going to fumble a lot and turn the ball over. But if you only have him throw 400 times, you don't get the value out of a quarterback. But one of these guys costs $30 million and the other guy doesn't. One of these guys has a no trade clause. The other guy doesn't. And that's where it feels like New Orleans has an edge in being in the middle is that you can draft a quarterback and feel like, okay, you can move yeah. on, or you can be in position next year because I didn't think Russell Wilson was getting traded. Did you all of Man, a sudden, Russell, right? All of a sudden Russell Wilson's traded and this can happen every single year. In fact, now it kind of does. Yeah, no, things have definitely changed significantly. The, the league is, it's crazy. Like you're, the understanding of how everything works is, is different. Players are asserting their power. I don't know why any player that's like above a certain skill level like if a team's thirsty for you get to no trade clause get your signing bonus play for two years force a trade get another signing bonus and like there's no there's no reason not to play the 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 game now because like it's been shown that teams kind of just if a guy doesn't want to play for you and he has a no trade clause like what are you gonna do like you okay they'll they'll sit out and go get a quarter billion guaranteed in a year despite all this other stuff going on around them off the field it's crazy how much power players are showing they have and and yeah, so I think we're going to keep seeing it. I think there's going to be quarterback movement and the league's just going to kind of be, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's nuts to see all the trades and all, you know, the receivers moving and it's uh, it's a lot different than it was just even five years ago. I mean, this this wasn't happening. So yeah, if, if th this goes on next year, there's quarterbacks that want out. Saints put together a decent offense or defense looks good. People might want to come here and, and you know, that's that's all they need. They need the quarterback and I think they're they're right there in the mix. It makes it even hard to question teams because last year when the Broncos didn't draft um, Justin Fields, I was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing, Broncos? You psychos? Draft Justin Fields. You don't need a corner. And then, like, oh, they have Russell Wilson now. So that, uh, I don't know what to say. Like, the same thing with, um, like, Indianapolis where you just, why are you guys getting linebackers and running backs? You don't need these people. Guards, what are you doing? And then the, Phillip Rivers shows up and Matt Ryan, which is, hilarious by the way like that just like matt ryan will play for the indianapolis colts and there is something to be said and this is what the vikings have kind of taken themselves out of with the kirk no trade clause or potentially taken themselves out of is there's just something to be said for being that team that is like tampa bay that's like whoops we have all these great players want to come play for us tom brady and the one thing about that is though you have to draft over years. You have to kind of, yep. you know, meet that timeline. And the worry for the Saints would be that if some of these players who are really good and in their primes slip, then all of a sudden you win six and you don't look so good. It looks so attractive to anybody, right? And so that's that's that like delicate line to walk that both of these teams are trying to do. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I do think they got some players in the pipeline. Like if Cam Jordan starts aging out, like they still have other good pass rushers and last year's first round pick Peyton Turner didn't really play much because he got hurt but if he materializes you might have somebody in the pipeline right there Marcus Davenport another injury guy but he's showing like the talent to be one of the better pass rushers uh at least in the NFC and if that continues he finds a way to stay healthy 
I don't think that would be a huge hit. The Mario Davis is the one. Like if he slips, what do you what do you do from there? Pete Werner, last year's second round pick. He looks good, but I mean you, you need somebody else at that position. The guy they drafted in the third round the year before, Zach Bond, looks like a bust at this point. So there, there's a couple things, but I mean, I do think some of their their core though is still fairly young. Marshawn Lattimore is not like a like a old player. I don't think you're really at that that point. He's on his second deal. Uh, Ramchek really isn't either. I mean, he just got his second deal. So a lot of their core is built from that 2017 draft. Uh, and Alvin's really the only one at a position where there's kind of that expiration date, and, and they need to start thinking about that. But I think they still got a good two, three year window with kind of the the players they have. Demario Davis is is he isn't. I think it'll probably be a point where he just gets old suddenly, but like it hasn't happened yet. But I do think they got a good two, three year window if they put the right pieces together this year, they have to, they have to get a young wide receiver somewhere. It's, it's imperative. Like if they don't like it, it's straight up malpractice with, with how they've managed this roster, because you can't go into a season with Kenny Stills, Kevin White, uh, man, the, the Chris Hogan, like retired from a, a lacrosse league to come play for the saints and, right. and he catches a touchdown pass. Like you can't build your team like that. So if you're going to hold on, like you at least have to support your $14 million quarterback and, and try to do things to not make him look like a $14 million quarterback. And then hopefully you get your Tom Brady or your Russell Wilson or, or whatever. Um, so when I was in Buffalo, Chris Hogan played there. Um, and every broadcast was, he played lacrosse in college. <laughs> Just like, stop. Yeah. Uh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick wore his wedding ring during games. And, yeah. and like, went to Harvard. And went to Harvard. Every single game, those things came up. Um, so are you for New Orleans dot football dot football football uh, scouting quarterbacks? Like, do, what a do you think bit. of the possibility that they pick a QB? A little bit. I mean, I, I think Kenny Pickett's a possibility. I think if there wasn't a head coaching change, that possibility, I, I would probably say it a little bit stronger, um, you know, just kind of based on some of the things I heard about his, his feelings on on Pickett. I think Sam Howell could be a, an option and maybe the second round. So I think that they're definitely looking at people. I don't think they're they're married to anybody right now. Um, you know, I, they like Jameis's possibilities, but obviously they just showed you that they're willing to look at other people and try to go other options. So either one of those, the thing that, that I think they've done to themselves though, is they've backed themselves into a corner where they have to get a safety. They have to get a wide receiver. They kind of sort of have to get a left tackle, but I think they'd go with James Hurst. But the first two, you're going into the draft. You got two wide open holes. Something has to happen. You have to find starter caliber players. So now if Kenny Pickett is there at 18, you're in this situation where do you take the quarterback that you you like or do you feel like you have to plug one of these holes? I mean, hopefully they'd take the better player, like whether that's the wide receiver or the quarterback, and they aren't backed into a situation. But it, it's hard to look at it like that when you do have to do that. And they did it a couple of years ago on the offensive line. They cut Larry Warford, felt like they had to get a guard. They drafted Cesar Ruiz, and, and he hasn't been a good player to this point. So that's how you you make mistakes. And I feel like they've kind of backed themselves into a, a spot where if they don't do something, I don't know if you, if you build the team that you, you want to build to the best of your ability. You ever wonder if we're the same person, just in a different reality? Like, it could uh, be. Yeah. You're, or, you're, the, or, you're the Northern version. I'm the Southern right, version. Right, like, you got brown hair. I got blonde hair. Yeah. Different, different people in the same reality. I don't know. But this like when you're talking about uh, having to draft for need and not being able to, you know, take a draft pick on a corner because you've said you're going to, or I'm sorry, a quarterback because you've said you're going to win. And, and so you have to fill this need. It's like, 
remember I heard this before. Oh yeah. yeah. Every day. Like yeah. that, that's where we're at. That, that's why I had the Freudian slip of saying corner. Cause that's like what the, we're talking about here is, well, the Vikings desperately need a corner so they can't draft Desmond Ritter or whoever the heck they think is uh, the best quarterback in the draft. And that's just what makes it so tough for them is that every year under Rick Spielman, and now it's just been a lot of the same moves. They would just draft for whatever they needed right away. There is a video of Mike Zimmer and uh, Rick Spielman when they draft Justin Jefferson right after they pick him. And of course they needed a receiver because they traded digs right after they pick him. Mike Zimmer says, we're still going to get a corner, right? Because they were desperate for corners. Mm. Like this is just not a good idea. They drafted a corner when they needed one in 2018. Didn't pick Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying that like everyone would have done that or whatever, but if you're not thinking for need at all, and you're thinking only long-term, you just act differently than you do if there's desperation to make the playoffs. Do any teams really do that besides like maybe the Packers? Like there's just not a lot of teams that I see make picks and it's like, wow, this does not help them at all. But you know, it's, it's a probably the best pick. Like everybody says they do BPA, but I don't think anybody does BPA. Everybody does BPA to position a need, except for maybe a couple teams. And, and it's uh, the saints are, are always odd BPA. And it's like, no, you aren't like, it's you, you literally just drafted a center to play guard despite <laughs> other players being on the board. Like you haven't drafted a wide receiver in years and this is what you do. Uh, I don't really, I don't really think a lot of teams actually operate like that. But it, it's, it's horrible when you aren't at least putting like some spackling over your your holes going into the draft. Like, go sign AJ Green or something for a couple of million, so just in case if you have to roll into the season like this, so you can draft Kenny Pickett and you don't feel like you're you're blowing a season by not doing something. If your team drafts players on the offensive line and moves them from their positions, then we are the same person. Oh yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, what they do. Yeah, I, I mean, that was like Ezra Cleveland. Like it's this big mystery of why did you draft Ezra Cleveland in the second round and never even try him at tackle? They had a game that was a meaningless game, week seventeen, two years ago. Cleveland is a rookie, and they could have just put him at left tackle just to see what he looked like. And they played a uh, just a lifetime backup at left tackle for. Why? And then drafted a left tackle the next year. Like you guys are so sure that he's just going to fall over and die. If you put him at left tackle, <laughs> like I, you know, I don't know. Like these things are unexplainable to me. Yeah. The saints got a left tackle playing left guard, a right tackle. That was a left tackle in college, a right guard. That was a center. So yeah, it's uh three of them. Is this why when the Vikings and saints play, it's always like a, just a crazy one score game, something wild at the end. Like the, I think this has to be it, right? This is when they play because they're the same team, uh, <laughs> except for the Vikings, of course, never had Drew Brees. But uh, oh, and uh, you know the ring issue. Uh, okay, two more quick things. One, if um, if I gave you a thousand dollars of my money and I said, here it is, this is a present to you for being a wonderful guest. Uh, this is a total alternate reality, by the way, for being a wonderful guest. Now you have to gamble that money on either the Vikings or the Saints to have a better record this year. That's what you have to use it for, for me to give you this thousand dollars. Who are you gambling it on? I don't want to make the homer pick, but I, I just kind of, I, I believe in the Saints defense and I got to, I got to bet on the one thing I, I believe in. I, I believe in Mike Thomas coming back and being a good player too. Um, thing that kind of hurts is I think Alvin Kamara is probably going to miss four to six games, which could start out bad. Marcus May is going to miss the first three. No, Sean Payton. It's, it's that's a thing. Okay, and, and I'm gonna regret, I'm gonna regret saying this. I'm gonna regret saying this because I think Sean Payton's probably the difference between a win or two every year at least. But last year's offense was so horrific 
that I do not think they can possibly be any worse on that side of the ball. Like there's no way for them to, to even like just getting like Mike Thomas back and a competent wide receiver too. at some level, like they're going to be a much better team on that side. I'm going to put it on the saints, but I, I feel like it'll probably, it, this is going to end up being a push. I bet. I bet they probably end up being the same team. Tiebreakers is what we'll be talking about. We'll be yeah. going in the finals uh, week of the season and I'll have Jan again. And we'll talk about tiebreakers. There we go. Uh, all right. Last thing is um, when I have someone else who covers a, another team on the show, like to do a little trivia. So uh, what I want to ask you, because New Orleans beyond Drew Brees has a hilariously bad quarterback history. Uh, and it's, it's very Vikings like aside from Drew Brees. So I want you to tell me aside from Drew Brees and Archie Manning, who the next five leading passers in Saints history are? Oh my God, <laughs> Bobby Abair is he in there? Uh, Bobby Abair, yes, he is. He is fourth. Aaron Brooks has got to be in there. Aaron Brooks is third. Yep, threw uh, for nineteen thousand yards, one hundred and twenty touchdowns. Aaron Brooks, man, Aaron who, Brooks was cool when he came on. Like when he first showed up on the scene, he's got a who, big arm, kind of ran around. He's fun. I, I have no idea who's number three. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, uh, is it like Aaron a Brooks, Bobby Billy, Billy Joe or Bobby Joe? Like they've had uh, like a, they did have Billy Joe Tolliver. He is 10th yeah. all time in history. Okay. So I'll give you some hints here. Uh, this guy famously had an interaction with Jim Rome. Oh man. Oh, uh, Chris Everett. No, yeah, well, that's it, the what, tennis it, player. And that's what Jim no. Rome called him. Very sexist fashion. Oh man! Uh, but uh, Jim Everett. Yes. Jim Everett. Yeah, yeah, Jim Everett. Yeah, yeah. All right. Who's, all right. Whose time in New Orleans was a disaster, by the way? He had like he's all these third all time. He oh, well, he's God. I mean behind Manning uh, or I'm yeah Manning and Breeze. So yeah. he's he's fifth all time. Fifth. But okay. Of the five beyond them. Now um, there's a couple of guys that take you way back that I'll just tell you, and you can try to guess some of the other ones. Uh, Billy Kilmer from the yeah. late 60s and 70s went 11 and 28 as a starter dave wilson and then you have i'll just tell you these because this would have been difficult steve walsh went 10 and 9 as a starter from 90 to 93 and ken stabler a 500 quarterback ah, and then you have your billy joe tolliver and we have a former viking in here as well at 13th the great wade wilson who, yeah, their uh, quarterback history is yeah, Horrible. I'm not even. I'm not even embarrassed that I couldn't name half the people on there. Like it's just, yeah, no, I don't care. <laughs> well, that's what what makes it so funny. Is Their history like, started basically in 2006, and then there's like there's the Archie, and then it's just yeah, Sean Payton came and they became a team. This is the point I always make about tanking and stuff, right? Like people hate to talk about tanking. Oh, I could never lose on purpose, right? And not that New Orleans tanked for Drew Brees, but New Orleans was a joke. Like for the most part, you had Dome Patrol, then Joke, and then Drew Brees. And they get Drew Brees, and then they're a premier franchise for a decade. It's just, this is what happens if you get that guy. And that's how much it can change. Otherwise, you're bringing in Jim Everett and Billy Kilmer and Steve Walsh and Ken Stabler and Jameis Winston and hoping to barely make the playoffs. I mean, look, it's why you just saw half the, well, not half the league, but, you know, four teams willing to to go after Deshaun Watson despite everything happening around him. And two of those franchises were willing to set themselves on fire with their quarterback. One lost their guy. The other one happened to get uh, Deshaun. But, I mean, teams were, were willing to to risk everything in, in PR and, you know, just, okay, screw you, Baker Mayfield. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, okay, Matt Ryan, whatever. You're the best player in franchise history. We don't care at all what you think. Get out of here. Uh, 
regardless if we get him or not. I mean, that's why. I mean, th- that guy can change everything. And, you know, hopefully you feel good about cheering for him. And it's not, you know, this other back. But people will, will you know, justify whatever they have to justify to uh, to win football games, man. I mean, it's just that's how important the quarterback is. Yep. And, uh, well, the teams we cover have uh, tenuous situations in that yes. spot because <laughs> neither one of those guys is Drew Brees. So uh, Nick Underhill, New Orleans dot football is the website and Nick underscore uh, Underhill underscore Underhill. Yeah, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. On Twitter. You're a great follow, especially when you're debating whether the cap is a myth with fans. So to tie it all together. But uh, great to get together with you on Timeline Week. And, you know, I, I don't think we solved it. I don't think we figured no, out. No, not at all. How, no. No. I don't think we did. I think I feel um, worse about uh, everything after this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also all the fans were like, if you are so smart, you'd be the GM. And I'm like, oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, I guess so. If if I had the answer to this, then they would definitely pay me. Sure, to, yeah. I mean, that's but, usually why you get paid, yeah. I don't. So, anyway, well, great stuff, man. Great to get together with you. And uh, you're killing it with New Orleans.football. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks for having me.